This is London Electricity, and you're listening to Valiant MC on the Prophecy. 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 really good thank you exciting time um with the release of the uh billion dollar gravy remixes um i'm curious before we get into discussing that lp where did the original title come from it was completely nonsensical um apart from the fact that as a kid my favorite album was billion dollar babies by alice cooper alice cooper i would not have expected that really (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think you might be the first person I've ever talked to that actually said that their for their favorite album or favorite piece of music came from Alice Cooper. When I was when I was uh, twelve, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I've noticed that you know over the past few years you've been revisiting your previous releases <clears throat> in some form or another, um, but there hasn't been a sequential order to them. So, what inspires you to go back to a particular body of work to remix? revisit etc um for instance you know you have already done building better worlds as the rebuilding better worlds uh remix lp uh that came out a couple years ago and you're doing this one now um so is there any particular rhyme or reason to when you decide that you're going to go back and revisit something no i mean this one's simply 20 years anniversary okay Um, all right and and how does it feel looking back outside of you know listening to the remixes and everything How does it feel going back and taking a deep dive into what you have already released when so much time has gone by? It's kind of interesting because obviously 20 years is a hell of a long time. And yeah, it doesn't really seem that long for me. So, uh, and also a lot of those tunes, they never had remixes. One or two of them did, but most of them didn't. So, uh, this was, this was fertile ground. 
you know, like Born to Synthesize, for example, when I made the original, that was a half tempo tune. Really? Okay. Almost kind of like a new soul sort of thing. Um, I didn't realize how good the vocal was by Leanne Carroll until Bob and Subway submitted their version. And it's a fucking great vocal, you know. Oh, absolutely. She's an incredible singer. So um, there was, I think particularly with this album, there was a lot of scope for for really going in on these on these tunes, you know, like um, Under Eden Wine's version of Different Drum. Very true to the original, but really kind of brought up to date. And they've really made the most of Robert Owen's vocal and, and the song as well, you know. You know, a lot of creative people tend to look back at previous work with some element of, oh, I wish I had done it this way, or not regret per se, but, you know, knowing what you know now as an artist. Do you look, do you listen to your older stuff and think, oh, I wish I could have done this? Do you parse it? Do you pick it apart? Or are you able to actually enjoy what you created? I think, yeah, I mean, there is, I guess it's the, um, I don't know which side of my brain it is that does that, you know, the non-creative side of my brain will analyze it and right. Yeah, could have done this better, should have done this better, wish I'd done that better. And then the creative side of my brain will, will go, no, just just leave it, you know. Um, so we can always, we can think everything into oblivion if we're not careful. And it is always, we can't go back in time, that's the thing. And yeah, so I, I have this this internal kind of uh, tug of war. Um, part of me wants to go back in time and fix everything. And the other part of me is like, no, just let it be how it was you know you're gonna, you're gonna george lucas it huh <laughs> how do you feel actually how do you feel about that I, I i know a couple of artists who have kind of gone back and and tweaked their music changed a little bit long after it's been released you know kind of under the same argument actually that george lucas had and that was well i created it why should i not yeah. sort of upgrade it and stuff like that as time goes on it, how do you feel about that kind of thing yeah it it, it actually with this album i haven't done that um because this album is isn't me trying to to kind of polish up old tunes this is a remix project uh, which is a different kind of approach so i have done that in the past and i think i'm through doing that now um because what was was and you know what will be will be so i think it's important to let things live in the moment that, that they were created in but I fully understand why why people might want to do that with their work. I've done it in the past. You know, I did it with Syncopated City um, and I did it with Yikes. But um, just because we can do it, it doesn't mean we need to do it. And with things like Syncopated City now, when you went back and reworked that a bit, it how does it sound compared to the original to you? Is it more just a sound quality issue or do you really feel like you made improvements? It doesn't sound any different. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does does in places, but um, it really that was me being very self indulgent, um, and ultimately, it's probably a bit pointless. Apart from the fact that it kind of regenerates a bit of interest and sort of like restreaming and and so forth. And right. you know, we are taught that in the in this world of streaming, it's all about um, regenerating back catalogue. So there's right. a there's a functional angle to it, um, and uh, if it gets people talking about older tunes that you've made, then there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Yeah, especially given the disposable nature, somewhat of drum and bass, where we move on to the next thing so fast. I don't think that mm. a lot of people take the time to appreciate what is there. 
yeah are there any um songs on the original album or by the way uh the remixes uh that hold special significance for you yeah definitely um i mean i i was i was in a very fertile place as far as songwriting is concerned with with the album and uh i mean different drum is a song that i'm really proud of you know and and as an actual song you know i'm not, not talking about a piece of drum bass or production um and syncopated city as well you know i mean i suppose i was saying things then that i didn't really understand but i understand now and they sort of come true now which is which is kind of weird but, um so that they're, they're, they're highly significant and i mean the title track is is really significant um because it's one of the only times that i've ever made a dance floor roller without putting too much in it <laughs> yeah i mean obviously you are known for uh rather large arrangements um yeah so that that particular tune is that something that just kind of happened organically and by accident and you're like oh happy accident or yeah. was was that a was yeah, it a I, concerted I was actually, effort I, no it wasn't a concerted effort and i i kind of put these bits together and i and i you know thank god i was able to realize that enough's enough and i don't need to add anything else to it it's just got the right amount of elements in and i was able to leave well alone which is something that i haven't been able to do very often so now that you've got now that you have this particular remix project out into the wild as it were um are you going to be working on a new full length anytime soon uh there isn't one in my mind um i've got a whole load of different tunes on the go but uh yeah i'm, I'm at an interesting stage in my life um where I suppose I feel for the first time in my life that I've got absolutely nothing to prove. And also I'm able to take stock and just kind of look, look back over what I've done because I was never able to do that until very recently, you know, to actually feel gra the gratitude that I feel now um, for how life has treated me. You know, I was always driven um, to change things. Even, you know, my last album was called Building Better Worlds and it was like that was trying to create a better world i mean who the fuck did i think i was you know? <laughs> um so uh so yeah i'm i'm very much living living in the moment do you think that moment. some of that clarity came as a result of sort of stepping away from the day-to-day -day operations of hospital i'd say so i'd say so yes and that that process is is complete now you know so it's taken two years to complete it but it was completed about six weeks ago Oh really? Okay. So uh, you know, I'm 100% disconnected now from Hospital Records. Other than the fact that as an artist, I've got music that's been released on Hospital, and and possibly might be again. You know, if I want to. Now, are you still co-owner of the label, or is that no. the extent of it? Or no, 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 no. no. no, no I've, at all, I've, huh? I've sold. Uh, I've sold my stake in the label. I find that the title. <laughs> it's interesting because you know the billion dollar gravy. I think that we have seen, you know, the rise of um, drum and bass's commercial potential, and I, I think that's going to continue. Obviously, hospital plays a large part in that. Um, I can't help but always reflect on. I think people waited for the billion dollar gravy to appear, and now that we're starting <laughs> to see, and now that we're starting to see those glimmers of it, I can't help but think that the title of this album is uh, prophetic in a lot of ways. Um, do you think that when you were First of all, I, I say this not knowing your creative process when you're putting together an album, but was there, do you recall any kind of thing running through your mind where this was seemingly a step into 
boosting drum and bass onto the main stage as it were not at all no this this was me this was me writing what was in my my head and my heart um the title so the starting point for the title was was the alice cooper album billion dollar baby right and i i used gravy instead of babies because it was um around the time that um george bush and tony blair went into iraq or iraq as you call it um ostensibly for weapons of mass destruction but as we all know it was for oil so the gravy represents the oil um kind of a comment on what was going on in the world and in fact the album cover was shot um there was a big anti-war march in london with about two hundred thousand people and everyone had banners saying stop the war you know um and uh and i had a banner saying billion dollar gravy and <laughs> i was, I was actually going to ask you i was actually about to ask you about the cover because yeah, i was going to ask so, you if that was a staged shoot or not oh no no so uh, it was on this march and uh my my photographer was was following me around and and she was just shooting me with this banner and people were coming up going what does billion dollar gravy mean and i was like oh yeah you know it's it's about it's about the money and the oil and like you know it's a commentary on on what's going on and they were like oh that's deep <laughs> i didn't tell them it was the title of my album <laughs> we, you know, this is before the internet so you could do shit like that right i think you might get cancelled if you tried to do that these days yeah. i'm hoping that canceling as it were will become will begin to take a more nuanced form as we uh as we go forward we shall see <laughs> you're, just saying, you're just saying that because you've got the benefit of age speaking of age you know obviously you are you've, you've actually had a career before drum and bass uh in music there are a few people who can sort of say the same thing um in this industry you know cleveland watkins and goldie mm-hmm. and these all people who have had creative long-running creative endeavors long before drum bass sort of came about now that you have even said i feel like i have nothing else to prove you are 100 percent disconnected from the entity that you created Mm -hmm. do you think that you will will see you going back to music that is non-drum bass ever possibly i don't know you know i really i I know that i've got i've got about 30 drum bass sketches um on my hard drive some some are finished some are close to being finished some could be really good um if i could be asked to actually finish them and uh i might do i mean i'm i'm kind of enjoying not knowing what it is that i'm gonna do if that makes any sense at all i've uh over the years i've put my career first right you know i prioritize my career as a as a producer and a, a label owner and um worked pretty much harder than everyone else in the scene for decades and the the downside of that is that although i've been there for my kids and my family i was there but not there because my head was quite firmly up my ass worrying about my career you know and uh so i'm enjoying being present for my two teenage sons enabling my wife to pursue her dream which is a full-time career as a chef mm. you know so i'm the boots on the ground at home um and it's great you know i love it so yeah do do i do i imagine a time where i'm going to really i remember when people would ask me in interviews and stuff like 
what's what's the secret of success and i would always say be hungrier more obsessive work harder than everyone else you know if you're if you don't need to do it don't do it you know if you have right. a burning desire and an obsession to do it then you're never going to make it all of these kind of things you know really really like uncompromising very very obsessive view of being a creative creative person you know and i believed it and it was true for me but that's no longer true for me now you know do you have regrets about how you guided your career or is this just a matter of simple self-reflection well I, th I think regrets are pretty pointless because what was was you know what is is so we we can only deal with what's in front of us right. i can only deal with what's on my table right now you know there's no such thing as the future or the past so um no i don't i don't do regrets in the same way that i'm learning how not to do fear of the future i don't do regrets of the past hmm. so with that in mind you know looking back at drum and bass music history there are <clears throat> there are a number of names that for a number of reasons have created um quite a footprint in the music they left their mark in the dna you know so if you were when you're looking back at your own legacy how do you evaluate it and is it a legacy that you are concerned with adding to at this point or are you happy with it as is well i mean i'm i'm probably the last person on earth who who's in a position to evaluate my legacy because a legacy only exists in other people's minds mm, good point so it's a very subjective thing you know and uh so i'm quite proud of it in as much as i'm still here i've survived it and i did my best um if i start to analyze everything that i've done there's very few pieces of music that i've written and produced that i'm happy with but i think that's probably the way it should be it's always i was always striving to be better um striving for the next lost chord you know striving for the next um miracle combination of elements and that that's the way it should be when you're creating you know so uh from that point of view the majority of music that i've i've created um it misfired but it was the best i could do at the time you know and it's got most of my tunes they've, they've got their ass hanging out in some in, in some <laughs> respects you know but there are there are a few that don't there are a few that that are pretty close to being as good as they could have been at the time <clears throat> and i'll take that and it's the same with business it's the same with um certainly the vision the vision and creativity of hospital records um by no means perfect but as a whole i'm really really proud of it you know i'm really proud of what i created and what i created along with the other guys in hospital records as well you know i'm really proud of it it's, it's a good thing um and we, we we broke a lot of molds in in with with hospital records you know and it's got a great catalog some really really good music in the catalog and i know that i was very much instrumental in that so um and there's like with anything you know when you run a business for 25 years there's going to be heartache along the way 
there's going to be all sorts of stuff going on, which I shared about last time I was on your your radio show. Right. Yeah. I was going to say it's been a couple of years now, I think, since we talked mm. last. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, relating to the other guys, quote unquote, obviously, I think the key other guy here is Chris Goss. And, you know, London Electricity was originally the two of you. Yeah. So obviously, Chris is always going to have a part of the aforementioned London Electricity legacy. Mm. When he stepped away from London Electricity as a production unit, how long did it take you to feel complete ownership of that moniker? I think it's fair to say that I already felt ownership of it before he stepped away. Okay. Um, how so? I, I was just dying to to just get stuck in on my own. I'd already um, I'd already made Come Dancing, um, and I started to write to write the Billion Dollar Gravy album before we agreed that the best thing to do would be for him to step away was there any conflict that led to the split or was it no it wasn't it wasn't that at all it was simply that chris's role in the first album was very much together we would go through his old records and take obscure jazz samples then because he he doesn't write music or use music software so then i would get to work on it and then he would get involved towards the end in the actual kind of structuring you know and i'd sit there at the computer and he'd kind of say look try that bit there and that bit there so we'd, we would bounce ideas off each other right at the sampling stage at the beginning and then right at the finessing stage at the end if that makes sense right the bits in between which is the writing of the music and the kind of all the rest of it that was me you know so i was i was having made quite a few albums before i met chris um I was I was perfectly ready and happy just to get on with it on my own, you know. Um, so uh, and and the label, you know, we'd signed High Contrast and Danny Bird, and it was quite obvious that Hospital was going to to be bigger than just an outlet for London Electricity. So Chris said, "Well, look, why don't I um, manage the label, you know, on a day to day basis?" So that's that's what we agreed to do. Have you ever thought about going back and doing any drum and bass reworks of your pre-drum and bass music? Um, well, the only tune that I think would be worth having a go at would be Stories, which was the first record I ever made, and actually uh, arguably the most successful. Um, came out in 1988, and it actually got to about number 27 in the UK. Top 30, I think it, I think it was. Can you legally go back and, and rework it or is there like label fluff that you have to get through? No, I mean, um, I don't have the stems if that's what you mean. Um, but no, you, you would, you would just, you would just get someone to replay the saxophone part. Basically it would just be, it would be a cover version, but I've got no interest in doing it anyway. So, um, you know, so one of the other things that is a, a calling card of London electricity is the fact that you are a, long established and much listened to podcaster yeah. um you did the hospital records podcast for a very long time before mm. handing it off to Degs, and you currently do the fast soul music podcast which i think you named it fast soul music after like the third or fourth episode if i'm not mistaken that's right yeah right after your song um yeah. in terms of the podcast itself and i know that you had well 
like you just revealed that you are now 100% separated from the label. So I was going to ask you why you didn't just continue with the hospital podcast, considering that you started it, you founded the label, etc. But we have that answer now and the fact that you have separated from the label completely. There was another reason. Um, and that was because my own, even when I was still the owner of hospital, well, which was up until what, seven weeks ago, um, but even when I was doing the hospital podcast, um, my own staff, who I employed were were telling me that I couldn't talk about certain things. Oh. Um, and it's the kind of standard broadcast things of like, look, don't talk about politics. Don't, you know, um, don't call so-and-so a pedophile. <laughs> it's just like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's common sense really, but I would just be, and I took that very personally, didn't like it, you know? Um, so, uh, because I, I just thought, no, I, I should be able to say absolutely everything that I want to say on my own podcast. But of course, my perception of that and the reality was slightly different because Hospital Records wasn't 100% owned by me. There are other people involved. Right. So, you know, and if I'm doing the podcast that represents Hospital Records, then I have to not put them at risk, you know. Right. And and I was going off on various tangents that that probably weren't particularly appropriate. You know, well, so, it depends who you ask, I guess. Of course, of course, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, as we know. So, um, I just, I just thought I really want my own outlet, you know, um, because I felt like my wings were clipped, if you like. Well, I was going to ask you, and you kind of beat me to the punch, uh, you know, in terms of were you limited by the actual hospital podcast in a way yeah. that you were unlimited by your current one. I was actually about to ask you, did hospital ask you not to play certain music? No, never. No, there was never any creative editorial. It was just simply the shit that came out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> was that a, uh, was that something you struggled with through the entire time? Or was it something that has sort of coincided with the world kind of opening its eyes a little bit more? Well, I think I, I mean, I remember, I remember at one point um, I got, it, it was around the time that um, when it looked like Brexit might become a thing. And uh, and I really, really got very political on the podcast. And and I said, look, if any of you listening, if any of you are Tories, then not only do I not want you listening to the hospital podcast or buying our music, I don't want you to listen to fucking drum and bass. So don't come to the fucking raves. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and and it sounds good to me too. Because, but you know, I, I was sounding like a fourteen-year-old, and I was and I was actually fifty-five. <laughs> and and to to be fair, that's not as as quite a few fans got very upset and pointed out, look, this is divisive. You know, mm. music bringing people together, not dividing people even more in a, in a divided world, which is which is a fair point, you know. Um, so, but I was just really angry, you know, re and, but I was blaming, I was blaming anyone who voted Tory for, for the fact that we had a, a prime minister like Boris Johnson. I blamed everyone that voted for Trump. So yeah. And yeah, right there with you, as, as you said earlier, it's a lot more nuanced than that. You know, it is true. I, I think that there is a big difference that a lot of people were missing and that was, there's, there's a difference between, okay, not being divisive and stuff like that as a label owner and music brings people together and the 
rather healthy contingent of hospital fans who are saying that there shouldn't be any politics in music at all or any politics coming out of hospitals camp, which I thought was oddly misplaced. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think that's misplaced. And I think I don't see how you can separate music from politics. I think that music has to be political or else it's not worth anything. You know, um, that's different from telling um, the 50% of your listeners that they can fuck off and not, and not ever <laughs> listen to not only you, but, your, but the other people in your company, you know? Um, so, uh, it was, it was pretty childish of me to be honest. I think, and it comes with age and it's funny you reference my age as, as being a relative young one, although I'm quite a bit older than a lot of people, I think that listen to either of us. Um, there's a certain clarity of one's own actions that comes with age and looking back into the things that we've done and said oh yeah uh, a fair amount of cringiness <laughs> yeah, and it took me you know it took me a long far too long actually to to grow up i'd say well you're you know? here now though and that's, that's but then, what matters but you know it's so that that thing of um authenticity you know i think it's really important and although i was over authentic i'd say um i'd, I'd rather be slightly over authentic than just kind of just trying to fit in with what everyone else is doing because that's just boring agreed agreed well i know that you're a busy man so i uh i shall let you go before you go is there anything that uh you'd like to plug anything you'd like to tease anyone you'd like to give a shout out to well i just want, want to give a, a shout out to um to everyone who's surviving in 2023 with with some kind of um spirit and sanity intact it's a challenge you know it really is a challenge and really we, we we can't fix this well but we can we can be good to the people around us you know and uh, so it's a shout out to everyone who's helped someone this week you know even today but uh drawing base is a force for good so definite definitely shout out to everyone who's who's involved in the genre of drum and bass that I love. Absolutely. Well, sir, I truly appreciate the time you took out and uh, congratulations on the Billion Dollar Gravy remixes. It is a great listen and I'm really excited to see people like Conrad Subs on there, by the way, uh, who's a friend and oh, he's nice to see him getting out there. Oh, he's, he's amazing. He's such a humble dude as well. You know, and his tunes always hit home. Absolutely. Man, thanks for having well, me on. Hey, I really appreciate it, Tony. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, all right? Wicked. You take care. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. You
in my dreams, let free. 